Good morning, everybody. We're gonna get things started in like five minutes here. So if you haven't already, please make sure and grab some coffee, grab a snack, figure out where you're gonna be sitting. There's lots of room up here still. If you can't find a seat, let us know and uh, we'll get things going here in just a minute. Thank you so much for being here today. going to go ahead and get things started here. There is more coffee on the way, so I think that'll be an opportunity still for the next couple of minutes. But just to make sure that we've got enough time, because we've been working through uh, 2 Corinthians, and we've had some really good discussions, and uh, I think just about every week there's like two or three discussion questions on the last slide that we don't actually get to, so... <laughs> Well, I'm just trying to continue in that tradition today, but you know, let, let's not do two slides worth of questions we don't get to, that's all. So, uh, I'm just gonna, I've got a couple of announcements for you guys today. 
uh, and then we'll get things started. Um, you should, if you haven't already, text at HBConverge to 81010, and then you get text message reminders from us about things that are going on, uh, stuff that you can be involved in. For example, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, there are small groups that get together. Uh, Tuesdays, they get together at the, at the Velez house, and Thursdays, they get together at the Sumi's house. Did I get that backwards? I got that backwards. Well, anyway, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we send out those reminders to let you know where it's at and uh, to remind you to be there. Um, if you haven't been here in a while, if you're just getting in um, and you want to, after hearing today's message, hear uh, what Dave's been saying about this the last semester, you can always check out the Converge Sunday Morning podcast. Um, if you search Converge Sunday Morning, I think it's on Spotify primarily, but you should be able to find it on most of the, the podcast apps. And uh, we've had kind of an in and out video stream. Sometimes those go up on Facebook, sometimes they don't, but uh, we've consistently been able to get the audio up there. So if you uh, wanna catch up on what you've missed in 2 Corinthians or wanna go even further back and check out the, the series on 1 Corinthians, a lot of that is up there. So I'd encourage you to check that out. For uh, announcements for the church in general for, uh, for Heritage, make sure and check out hbclynchburg.com hub. So if, for example, you wanted to volunteer to help out with uh, preschool or children's ministry, um, somewhere where they desperately need a lot more volunteers, and you can do that like once a month or, or whatever fits your schedule. You can do that for the, the 9 o'clock hour. You can do that for this hour. Um, but they're always happy to have people down there. And uh, if you haven't done that before, it's actually, it can be a lot of fun. Um, some of those kids are, are really great to hang out with, and the rest of them are there also. But no, 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 it's, it's great. It's a good experience. I highly encourage it. And uh, yeah, that's where all of the volunteer opportunities are, all the connect things. Uh, any upcoming events with Heritage, knowing about upcoming disciple-making teams, things like that, that's all on the hub. And just because I haven't mentioned this one in a while, and I think we probably have some new faces here today, I just wanted to throw it out there that we are planning to do a spring break mission trip in 2022. So the details for that are still a little bit uh, up in the air. We're figuring that part out, but we are planning on doing a mission trip in, uh, in spring 2022, and we hope that you can join us. Um, so make sure and keep that time clear uh, if you're interested in coming with us for that. Um, so before Dave gets up here and continues in the, the greater series for 2 Corinthians, I thought maybe it'd be good to take like five minutes and just get to know some of the people at your table that you don't know super well, or uh, if you do know them super well, get to know them a little more. You know, here's an opportunity. So let's talk about uh, your plans for this upcoming semester, maybe the thing that you're most excited about. And then for the summer, uh, the thing that you spent or wasted, depending on what it was, the most time on over the summer. So let's just take five minutes real quick and discuss that as a table. And then uh, Dave's going to get up here and continue us in this, uh, in this greater series. Thank you.
everybody. I hate to cut off such great conversation, but I think we're gonna go ahead and get things started here today. I'm gonna open us up in prayer, and then I'll uh, hand things over to Dave. Dear God, thank you so much for just this, uh, this group that we've got here today. I pray for open hearts and open minds for all of us. Thank you so much for the, the message that Pastor Nathan brought from your word this morning, Lord. I just pray that you'd be there with Dave and that you'd uh, help us to, to hear your word today. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do, Lord. Thank you for all of these people, all of these lives that you've been using over the last summer. And I look forward to seeing how you use us all over the fall, Lord. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. We're glad that you guys are here today. Uh, we've been in 2 Corinthians all summer, and we're going to be there again today for the last time. Uh, if you want to find your way to the end of 2 Corinthians, we're going to almost start there. We're actually going to go one other place first. But, um, but that's, that's where we're headed, where you guys can get settled in. Uh, we've called this series Greater, and the reason for that is that 2 Corinthians takes us from one place to the next through this story where Paul is addressing uh, a church that has struggled, um, a church that is calling him into question, and, and he's, call, he's calling them then to rise up out of a certain kind of limited view of what's going on and take on a greater perspective of life. And so we've talked about how that relates to generosity, and we've talked about how that relates to um, your thoughts. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more holistically. Okay, And so I want to draw us back to what Paul's main like, undercurrent of the whole theme is, and that is that, that we have the ability to get distracted by life, by the circumstances that we find ourselves in, by the aspirations that we develop, um, the goals that even we've just talked about, we have the ability to get distracted by those things and miss out on the reality, the greater reality, that life is about following Jesus. That, that we're actually called to a Christocentric, if you want to uh, use kind of a theological type of term, a Christocentric lifestyle, that we're focused on Christ, that we're following in his footsteps, that we're going to become more like Christ. And that as we think about that, that, that he has sacrificed himself for us. And that's kind of where we, where we need to start today. Okay, And so to, to remind us of this perspective and how Paul addresses it in another place, I actually want us to start with Philippians chapter 2. So if you want to turn there, you can. I've got it all up on the screen. But I, wanted to, I want to remind us how Paul, how Paul expresses it to the Philippians because this is going to feed into where he's going with us in the end of 2 Corinthians as well. Okay, So this is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only onto his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. 
that we have this need to be unified and that our ability to be unified as a body of believers comes first from adopting the mindset of Jesus that is willing to set others as more important than ourselves. And we, we tend to, kind of human nature, really, we tend to raise ourselves up as the most important thing to consider. And we're fed that from people around us, from media, from, you know, from just lifestyle, like shopping in the mall. Like you're just taught to, to think of yourself as the most important and take care of yourself first. And what, what Paul is telling us here in Philippians and will tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13 is that if we adopt the mind of Christ, which is we become more like Christ, our minds should be saturated in who he is, and we become, to th- we, we become able to think more like Jesus, that we prioritize others. And not just in a, um, not just in a goodwill kind of way, right? Although that is certainly part of it. But that we prioritize letting others know about this relationship with Jesus that changes us to have that type of mindset. So then we, we become engaged in this mission that we read about in, earlier in 2 Corinthians where we have become ambassadors of Christ, of reconciliation to the world around us. That, that in order to fulfill that mission that we've been given, we have to adopt this mindset that others are more important than ourselves. That there's a greater perspective on life and relationships than the one that's saturating us in our culture around us. So I want to see how this thought that is is really eloquent in Philippians chapter 2, how it actually feeds into just the mindset of Paul as we start to look at 2 Corinthians chapters 12 and 13. Last week, I read all of the text of the chapter. I'm going to not do that this time, okay? So I'm going to give you maybe uh, the encouragement to go back and read all of that. Let me summarize it a little bit, okay? As we finish chapter 12, before, before we get deep into 13, we're going to spend more time in 13. But chapter 12 ends this discussion by Paul of basically a self-defense and, and it's, not, it's not what he really, from what he says, it's not what he really wanted to do, right? But, that, but there was enough question about who he was, and as he was addressing these really weighty things, that he needed to address a certain um, element in the church that was tearing him down and breaking down his authority among the, among the church. And so he addresses some things, and he kind of ends that there, but I want to I want to point out a couple of ways that that he begins to to show that he thinks like Christ. I want you to look at Second Corinthians twelve, verse fourteen. He says just in the in the middle of this discourse where he's saying you know what he's been doing and why he's been doing it. He he makes this phrase. He states this phrase: "I seek not what is yours, but you." One of the things that he was charged with, if you, if you understand the way that, that he's addressing some things, is that the people there, the super apostles that Scripture talks about, or, you know, quote-unquote super apostles, they think that they're so great. The super apostles were pointing at Paul and saying, you see, he's asking for your money because he wants to get rich himself. Like, he's asking for, he's putting this pressure on you to give because he wants to, he wants to receive it. And what he's pointing out all along is that he hasn't ever asked them for money for himself. The times that he's been there in Corinth and serving them, he's actually uh, never taken a dime from them. That's what he says, that, that other churches, uh, churches in other places, they've taken care of his needs. He's worked and he's taken care of some of his needs. He's lived in poverty to a degree. And so... He hasn't taken their money, so that's, there's not a lot of credibility to that statement, and, and that his purpose is not to take what's theirs, but to come and, and help them know Jesus. It's in 12, verse 14, 
But let me, um, let me read a little bit around that. He says, I've been a fool in verse 11. This is going back to all the crazy things, the way he described it, and we talked about it last week. I've been a fool. You forced me to it. For I ought to have been commended by you. For I was not at all inferior to these super apostles, even though I'm nothing. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. For in what you were less, <clears throat> for in what you were less favored than the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not burden you. Forgive me this wrong. Here, for the third time, I'm ready to come to you. And I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. He expresses his relationship with them as, as he's kind of the father of this church that has been developed there. And, and that it's not for the children to support the parents. Aren't you glad of that? Right? That's not natural for at this stage in the game for you to support your parents maybe one day right but maybe uh, but that's not natural for this stage of life I think you can you can resonate with that a little bit right Paul says it's it's natural for the parent to support the child and that's what that's what I've done I haven't asked you to support me I'm here for you and your good and your growth I'm not here for you to support me this is this is my mentality, that I'm, I'm here to raise you up and not to take from you. And then in chapter 13, verse 9, he, he shows this same thought when he says, For we're glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. Verse 9, if we look around the verses there, we'll start in verse 5. He says, Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. I hope you'll find that we have not failed the test. But we pray to God that you may not do wrong. That what we may appear to have, that, not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right. Though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason I write these things while I'm away from you. That when I may come, I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. That my purpose here, Paul says, is to see you grow. Restoration, we'll see it again um, in, another, in just another verse down, that restoration here gives us this picture of perfection or maturity, this growth that should be happening. Uh, that, that he's there to work on their behalf to see them mature in Christ. And, and it's not that he looks to celebrate what he has done, but, but what's happening in them. We celebrate, we're glad when we're weak and you're strong. When we see growth in you and your restoration is what we're seeking after. So I think Paul in this in this whole picture of 2 Corinthians in this whole relationship that he has with the Corinthian church and what we've seen in 2 Corinthians as a whole theme through it of this idea of of greater is adopting the mind of Christ. That we approach life the way Jesus demonstrated. That we're willing to give up of ourselves to see the benefit of others. And that specifically we take on the very ministry of reconciliation that we've received because we've been reconciled. So in that, Paul turns a corner right during the verses that we read. And he says in chapter 13, verses 5 through 10, that we need to examine yourselves, ourselves. You see... What Paul's really saying here is you've spent all this time, the last two chapters of what I've said, the last bit of this letter here, has been addressing the way that you are testing me. The things that you're examining me with, the points that you are calling me out on, 
you've been examining me. I'm showing you that I meet the standard that, you're, that you've asked me to meet. And, and that really, for you to even be meeting together and even evaluating these things is actually because of what I've done in your midst as part of build, you know, beginning this church here. And so now you need to put an end to that and examine yourselves. You've spent all this time looking at other people, and now it's time to evaluate where you stand before Jesus. There's not a lot more encouraging thing in a ministry setting than when the, the teaching that God offers from his word is consistent across uh, people and events that weren't planned together. But the things that, that we saw in the, in the service this morning from the conversations had around the baptismal waters to the walk through the New Testament really teed up what we're discussing right here. But both, both of the young ladies standing by the, by the baptismal pool expressed this time of questioning, right, through life, like growing up knowing about Christ but not really ever truly giving themselves to Christ, not really understanding that personal relationship. And that they came to a point where they had to examine themselves, that they were face-to-face -face with this reality of, of relationship with Jesus. I've had that myself, and maybe, maybe you have too, and if you haven't, maybe you're actually going through it right now, and today is not a day. Like, I do not come here to, to cause a disturbance in what you are feeling, right? I'm not here to, my goal is to celebrate the security that we have in Jesus. But I would not be surprised if a few of us in the room are, are struggling with that idea of security. And so we're going we're gonna to take some time here and talk with the words of Paul about this need to examine ourselves and that there's this, this possibility that we carry out what we think is the forms of religion like these people have, right? They, they feel like, and they're being instructed by some kind of spiritual leader in their lives that, that they need to think critically about the people that are teaching them. And their critical thinking right now is pointed at Paul and rather than the people who are actually causing them to stumble. And so he's trying to redirect their minds, but, but in doing so, he's first saying, look, you need to turn the microscope in on yourself and think about where you stand before Jesus. Spiritual insecurity can come from a number of places. One of them is underestimating the work of Christ. We begin to think about how we got ourselves saved. Like what did we do and did we do it right and how can how can I be saved if this is true about me and we start underestimating the amazing, redemptive work of Jesus on the cross when we turn that view on ourselves. And so even though it sounds maybe like I'm, like I'm you know, twisting that, I'm saying examine yourself. But now you know, what we do in that examining is not examine where we stand before Jesus, but how we got ourselves standing before Jesus. And that's where the difference lies is that when we start to underestimate the work of Christ and overestimate the effort of ourselves, we, we mess up this idea and we start to, to feel this spiritual insecurity. I don't know if you've been there. And so we need to, we need to take the time. If this is where you're at and you, you know, you're, you're thinking, well, what have I done? How have I earned the favor of God or, or how have I messed up the favor of God then we need to go back and we need to we need to look back into 
the work that Christ did on our behalf and celebrate that and, and rest in that and the grace that's there and not, not the performance that you have, but the grace, the grace of God that he's poured out because of the work of Christ on the cross. Another thing that can cause some spiritual insecurity is hanging on to sin. We, you know, we get rid of most of it. We do this big spring cleaning, but, but we allow this part of ourselves to still reside in sin. You know, maybe, it's, maybe it's something that we're just not aware of how invasive it is, and we, you know, we think we're, we're okay, we're still working on that but yet it still has this grip on us. Or maybe it's because we just really don't want to let it go. And we have, this, we have this tendency to hang on to sin and, and not realize that it's, that it's a devastating, impossible reality to harbor sin when we're called to pursue holiness. Peter says to, I mean, well, he quotes what's across scripture to be holy as God is holy. That's a high standard. And when we when we begin to follow Christ, like he allows us and, and, and empowers us by his grace to shed off the sins that so easily beset us, as Paul would say. And we, be, we are able to move forward in what Christ has designed us to become. But if we hang on to these things, we cannot, we cannot achieve the holiness that we're called to be when we're following Christ. And that's not, like, like Pastor Nathan was saying this morning, like, this is not that perfection is the scale that you measure yourself on, but the trajectory of your life. And so if you, if you see this consistent hanging on to sin or a particular sin or different ways that a particular sin is manifested, we talked about a few weeks ago, we talked somewhat about the, um, the core idol idea, right? That, that there's, there's always this, there's this core idol that we, we have deep down inside that usually relates to your ability to control your circumstances or your comfort level around you or or the significance that you feel it usually relates to some of those things or power over people around you and and so we struggle with that and we it might manifest itself in one way at one point in our lives and and we're able to put enough guardrails around it to stop that but then it it comes and shows itself somewhere else and it's like this iceberg and deep down inside of you it's deep at the lowest part of the iceberg you've got this core idol but the tip of the iceberg is just showing different manifestations of that and we put so much effort and guardrails around the tip the tips of the iceberg and we never get down to the root and so we hang on to this sin this core idol sin that's down deep inside of us we can't ever move forward in real following christ because We've got this sin that we're hanging on to, and it causes us all kinds of spiritual insecurity. I think both of these things, while we could, we could go to various places in Scripture to, to talk about them as I was thinking through this, I think Colossians addresses both of these things in a really incredible way. We're not going to spend much time there because we don't have much time, but I want to point out a couple of ways that the book of Colossians addresses these things, and you maybe you can go back and look at that at another time. Um, so... My note is just simply read Colossians. But underestimating the work of Christ. In chapter 2 of Colossians, there's this incredible word picture of how Jesus defeated the powers of sin. And it describes, if you, if you get the imagery as you read through the end of chapter 2, it describes this victory march of Jesus demolishing the armies of sin. And Paul uses words in Colossians that I find really amusing and incredibly encouraging. He says he put those enemies to open shame. He didn't just defeat them. That's shameful enough, right? He didn't just defeat them, but he put them to open shame. And if you take the, you know, Paul is in is in the 
the world of the Roman Empire. And if you think of this Roman victory parade as they return back from battle, and not only have they defeated the armies, but now they're actually, they're actually dragging the general or the king of this nation that they just defeated, they're dragging them behind the victorious armies of Rome, naked through the streets of Rome, putting him to open shame because of his loss. This is the imagery that Paul uses for Christ's victory over your sin, that he's put it to, o- to open shame. And we underestimate the power that Christ has over this, what feels like it's controlling you. And so we, we live in this spiritual insecurity caused by this underestimation of the overwhelming victory of Christ over your sin. And then we hang on to sin, and, and in, um, in the words of Paul in Colossians, we get into chapter 3, where he starts off chapter 3 by saying, Christ, who is your life, when he appears, and we just kind of catch it, and we're like, wait, Christ is your life, and we have these other things, that so many things that are important, or Christ is really important to life, but, but Paul says, Christ is your life, just as a side note there. And then he goes on to say, He goes on to say that there are all these things, because Christ is your life, there are all these things that you need to put on in your life. But there are also this whole list of things that you need to put to death. Not just just shed from you, but put to death in your life. And that we hang on to these things that, in Paul's words, we're supposed to slaughter out of our lives. And so we allow ourselves, we actually set ourselves up for this spiritual insecurity by these two things. And so if, so if those things are causing any spiritual insecurity in your life, realize that it's, it's not about you. It's about Jesus and what he's done on your behalf and rest in the grace that he has poured out in your life. And rid yourself of the sins that are hijacking your ability to thrive in that grace that he provides. But for some of us, or some people, insecurity isn't the problem. It's actually the opposite. And so as Paul, I think he's specifically addressing those people in this passage. It's the overconfident, self-loving, morally lax, doctrinally deviating, alleged believers That's strong language, right? That's mostly D.A. Carson's language, but I liked it, so I borrowed it. But these overconfident, self-loving, morally lax, and doctrinally deviating alleged believers need to examine themselves. And sometimes that's where we find ourselves, that we have this overestimation now of our religiosity, of our own ability to maintain standards, And call other people out on those standards, as the Corinthians were doing. And that we need to take stock of where we stand before Jesus as much as anybody who needs to deal with the insecurities, those that are overly confident need to do that. John provides us some thoughts with how to do that. And so I want you guys to take a minute at your tables. I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 2. All of 1 John is really written... In, in the words of John, so that you might know that you have eternal life, right? So I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. I want you to try to pick out three things or three ways, three criteria that we need to use to examine ourselves, okay? So you can read this, read six verses, read them together. I'm going to only give you about five minutes so that we still have time to finish up. But I want you to read those six verses. I want you to try to find up to three things that are criteria for us to examine ourselves on. And then we'll be back.
I made a little mistake here. You can go through uh, verse 9 for, for Let's uh, let's bring this back in, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk for a minute about what you've seen. So here's here's verses one through six. But like I said, I, I messed up, and and it should have been one through nine. But one through nine would have been too small on the screen to see anyway. So uh, what did you see in there that are some benchmarks for evaluating yourself? Anybody? Yes. Yeah, commitment to the teachings of God, right? That we're not, if you, if you say you know him, but you're not keeping his commandments, there's a, there's a lifestyle of following through. And this is what Pastor Nathan mentioned in, in the service, that, that we're saved by the grace and the blood of Jesus, but that the evidence of that should be visible, and so if we say that we love him, we're not keeping his commandments, we call him a liar. Anybody else? Or he, we are a liar. Yeah. Where is it? Yeah, whoever keeps his word. Yep. And kind of goes along in the same, same vein, right? That, that we keep the words that he's, that he's saying. And then you might have seen um, Anybody who, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. That our lifestyle should be a picture of Jesus too, right? So we, we keep his commandments, we keep his word, we ought, to walk the, we ought to walk the same way he walked. Lastly, in verses 7 through 9, you might have picked up on loving our brothers, loving the people of God. That if we don't demonstrate love to the people around us who followed Jesus too, right? I mean, we should love our enemies. We should love the lost. We should definitely love the people of God. And then we'll be known by our love. So at least three right there that, that we keep a high regard on the commandments of God, the words of God, the doctrines of God that our lifestyle reflects it, and that we demonstrate love. And so when we, when we refer to the people that, that Paul is talking to as overconfident, self-loving, morally lax, and doctrinally deviating, and certainly not loving of others, they're self-loving instead, then that's why they need to examine themselves. And so if that's if this is true of you, that you, you, know, you might find yourself in this, overconfident, in this overconfident space, that we need to come to Christ in humility and understand the grace that we need each day to actually live that day. We, you're, not, you're not in and of yourself able to do these things. Paul ends this, um, ends this chapter, ends this letter with some final thoughts that I want to share with you. They're from chapter 13, verse 11. They're kind of the summary thoughts of what he wishes for these people, the goals that he has for the Corinthians, and, and by extension, you in this room, some final thoughts. He wants you to aim for restoration. This is how he, this is how he words it. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Aim for restoration. Restoration, like I was saying before, carries that idea of perfection or maturity. Okay, So perfection in, in terms of how scripture uses it in other places. 
Maturity is really the idea that we need to aim for growth in Christ, not, not stability, okay? Like, I think a lot of times we long for stability and, and comfort, like just steadiness. But our, our life in Christ should have that trajectory of growth that Pastor Nathan was talking about. So aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Be involved in each other's lives. Comforting them, not, not tearing them down. Agree with one another. That we should, we should put an effort to actually being like-minded. And moving, moving in the same direction. Just like what Paul said in Philippians 2, we read it there before we you know, really zoomed in on the perspective of Christ that we want to adopt. But that we are like-minded, that we move in the same direction, that we are a team, that we're all together the ambassador core of Christ's mission in this world. And that we together are ministers, the ministry of reconciliation. We carry that with us as a unit together. And that as much as possible, Romans says, as much as it depends on you, that we live at peace with all men. Romans 12. Paul's words too. That we live in peace with those around us. And that if that's the case, it will be evident in our lives and in our midst that the God of love and peace is with us. We'll have him on display through the way we live our lives. So as you process this, we have five minutes, Josh, to process these questions that I've got for you, all right? As we process this and understand this greater perspective on life than what we have without, without this teaching of scripture, okay, that that we, we don't have this understanding of the greater perspective of life in Christ if we just allow ourselves to live blinded by the circumstances around us. I want you to talk about this. How do you display the other's first mind of Christ? Like how do you currently display it? Or how, what opportunities do you have to display this other's first mind of Christ that, that is so you know, consistent through what Paul is teaching and how he's addressing the Corinthians and how he's not gone to his defense in, in previous times, but now he's, he's gone there, but, but he's doing it from the perspective of Christ first. How do you display the other's first mind of Christ? Number two, you need to examine yourself. I'll just leave it with Paul's words. Examine yourself. But specifically, how have you experienced spiritual insecurity? Maybe you currently are experiencing spiritual insecurity. What truth do you need to remind yourself about Jesus or yourself that, that it's not all about you to resolve this insecurity? Lastly, what step toward restoration and maturity can you make this week? Like what's the, what is the thing that you either need to put off or put on to move yourself in greater levels of maturity as you walk with Christ this week. I'm going to give you the last few minutes to, to chat. Probably only a couple of you will get to talk. There's a group coming in after us into this room, so we can't stay too long. But, um, but I want you to have a, just a minute at least to start talking about these.
all, in all honesty, we know that full discussion of these things here isn't going to happen quite as well when we're trying to, you know, have everybody in the same room at, at the same time. So if you want to discuss these things further, we have the small groups happening this week, Tuesday and Thursday at the Sumi's and the Velez's house. Uh, likely that we'll try to even grow those small group, not grow the small group, grow more small groups this year um, as, uh, as people get involved. And so be looking on the Remind app that Josh was talking about, the at HB Converge to 81010. We'll send out information about those as they develop. Um, I would encourage you to be a part of that if you, um, if you haven't already. It's a great place to get connected to a smaller group within this large group. Also, a couple of things that are coming up. On September 5th, we're going to kick off our big fall, okay? So we're, we're gonna, we've got a lot of things that we're excited about for this year. We're going to have a um, kind of a luau theme on September 5th, which I'm excited about. We're going to have pulled pork in large quantities. We're going to have... Um, we're going to have the Frosty Penguin here, which last week I said Frosty Penguin and like probably half the people weren't sure exactly what that was. So that's a Hawaiian Shave Ice truck, food truck. So the Hawaiian Shave Ice food truck will be here. We'll have uh, cornhole and spike ball and, and hatchet throwing. What? Yes, still. We're still doing hatchet throwing. Hatchet throwing. Um, lots of food. Want you to be here for that. Um, What's that? And giveaways. And giveaways. Yeah, we'll have some we'll have some special giveaways that day. Guys, we're thrilled with some things that are um, that are shaping up and as details get more solidified, you'll hear more about it. But some of those things are um, I really, really want to take a group to the cross conference in January. Okay, so we'll be talking about that. If you're not familiar with the cross conference, um, the cross conference is a missions-centered uh, conference for college-age individuals, young adults. And so it's led by, it's developed by and led by David Platt, and it happens in Louisville, Kentucky, and we're going to do our very best to take a group there, and we'll get more details coming together with that. We have a couple of opportunities for mission trips, and there's a possibility that it would even develop into um, one converge-specific mission trip. Uh, and then one that we we sort of join in with the rest of the church to uh, to go out and and do um, do another one. And one of those, you know, the, the locations are under development, but but one may be stateside, more local. That would probably make more sense during spring break. And then one that would be uh, overseas that we would probably join in with the with more people in the church as well. But we're looking forward to what what that is going to look like and and how that fits in to the vision of, of Converge because we understand ourselves to be the, um, in this unique place where you're not here for long probably, right? The idea is not to stay in this transitional part of life for very long. It's to make the transition. So as we're, as we're here on purpose to gather together in order to grow together in Christ and then go from here as his representatives to this world, then we want to see some of that facilitated. So I also, I also have a big passion for this fall for us to invest in um, local ministries as well. And we're going to be looking at um, the possibility of serving meals a couple of times at the Parkview uh, Mission this fall, where we actually come here to the church and cook the meals and then take it there and serve it. Uh, looking for a couple of opportunities to do that. And, um, and we're interested in... Um, just going deeper in our community here and preparing ourselves to go in to the world around us. Now, I know that I'm over time, and I know there's a group that is coming in here, but I also know this, that while I've been up here chatting with you, I've been watching Pastor Nathan live, and he's still preaching. <laughs> so, so I think we're good. But, but for the time being... We're going to end here. I'm going to pray for us, and, uh, and you're welcome to stick around for a few minutes, but, um, but I'll have to make an announcement in just a little while as, other group, as the other group starts coming in uh, that we'll need to go, okay? But let me, let me pray for us. Father, thank you 
for your word. Thank you for the time that we've spent in 2 Corinthians and the challenge that has been to have the greater perspective of Christ rather than our limited perspective that we tend to develop. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to rid ourselves of sin, that you would help us to celebrate the grace provided by the blood of Jesus on the cross, that you would help us to see our role in the ministry of reconciliation in this world, that you would build into our hearts generosity to, to give and serve others. And then, Father, we would become more like Christ, that we would move toward maturity and restoration in you. And we love you, and, and we, we look forward to what you're going to do in us and through us this semester. And for those that are in the room, that this might be the last time they're with us for a while. And I know that that's, that's true to, uh, for a few. Father, I pray that you would go with them to where they are going, that you would help them to find that local body of believers that they can invest in deeply where they are during their semester. And that, Father, you would, you would continue to grow them in that setting as well. And that we look forward to hearing their stories when they come back of how you've worked in them and through them in the context that you've taken them to this, this semester. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.